Okay. Here we are. Here we are. Special edition. Season finale. So. <laughs> so this is Brown Burndown. Brown Burndown. The Brown Burndown. The Brown The Brown Burndown. This is Brown Burndown. Burn Down. Burn Down. The Brown Burn Down. Okay. Okay. So this is a special edition of the Brown Burndown uh, called Our Friends Have Thoughts. And this is like kind of our season finale also. A, that, yeah, it's a little bit of our season finale. So, But also, but, we have our own rules. So like we may be <laughs> back next week. Yeah, Who knows? True. Unclear. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Rabs is heading into an intense period at school and she's going to be doing some awesome um, rotations away from home. And I am going to be starting graduate school in August. And so we may not be able to record another episode till September. Um, but this time we're warning you up front that we're taking a hiatus, which yeah. is good on us, yeah. I think. It is good on us. Who knows when we'll it's come true. back, it's guys? True. It's the mystery. Honestly, this brings up, this sparks suspense. so much joy for us. We might be back, like, yeah. truly tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. Actually, yeah. <laughs> but so, thanks for listening it, for, like, 12 yeah. episodes. This has been crazy. So this episode is kind of a tribute to all of our loyal listeners, um, which is why we thought it would be a great way to end our first bunch of episodes. Um, And so today we're going to be going through some of our usual segments, but then we're going to spend the bulk of our time talking about thoughts from our friends. Our friends have thoughts. We've never aligned on what this segment is really called. But yeah, we we want to thank you all for listening. Um, we didn't expect more than, like, our five closest friends to listen, but now there's 200 of you, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, truly. <laughs> it's, like, it's been wild. It's been so wild. Um, so let's get started. Let's do it. The first thing we start with is Lies We Told, and Tars, did we tell any lies? You know what? I feel like we need to hire someone to check us. I know, right? My sister, who, let's, let me be clear, is doing literally nothing <laughs> right now. Like, I think she spends six hours on her phone per day. She has not said anything about the lies. So maybe we're just getting more factual. That accurate. could be true. I don't know. I'm getting the sixth sense that we did tell a lie last week's episode, but I just can't remember what it was. So, anyways, <laughs> lingering thoughts? We're trying to keep it tangentially related to brown people starting this week right, yeah. with roger federer yeah <laughs> roger federer i'm still not over love it. of our still lives not loves of our lives <laughs> truly truly <laughs> he can do no wrong he literally can't um yeah <sighs> it is really great taris tell everyone about what you what we learned about him last week okay well one thing that i've learned about him from Sadly, reading many articles, spoiler, he lost the Wimbledon final this morning against Djokovic, who's our nemesis, officially. Yeah, he is like, okay, I feel like someone described Djokovic to me as like the like evil guy who like goes back home to like stroke his pet cat (laughs) after he wins each match. 
And I can see it. It checks out. Totally checks out. <laughs> totally checks out. He is so annoying about winning, and it's just such a... He tr- ate the grass, guys. He ate the grass. <laughs> and apparently this is, like, a thing, which I think makes it worse, you know? Like, it's not, like, a spur of the moment. He just, like, eats grass when he wins, which I don't like that yeah. at all. One million percent. Also, I ew. agree with that. He fights with the umpires, like... There's a lot of dirt on him. Yeah. But if you search for Fed, like, there's nothing bad about him at all. I thought it was funny he was wearing Uniqlo, because as a big Uniqlo fan, personally, I was like, what? That's not a sports (laughs) brand. (laughs) We wear the same clothes. (laughs) We're twinning. (laughs) But apparently, Raph told me that he got paid $300 million to wear Uniqlo. It turns out that that is true. And also that um, as part of the deal... He, like, designed some clothes for them and stuff and um, designs his own, I think, sportswear. But also he gave, like, this interview about why he's so excited to be partnering with Uniqlo. And he said that he approached them because he um, thinks it's a really big shame that the tour, so, like, the tennis tour, the ATP, ATP, something like that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. doesn't go through Asia. So, like, if you have big players yeah. going to Asia and sort of getting people excited about different sports, then, like, that's how champions are born from those countries. So it's awesome that right. he's thinking about that and recognizes that and thinks about race and representation and, like, getting someone, like, you know, just increasing opportunity it, for... Yeah. So on point. And he's the best. Like, India struck out of the Cricket World Cup last week i got really into cricket randomly recently oh yeah yeah me too because india was doing it was so fun it was exciting well because like it's the only thing that india's good at like it's just like really sad because it's like a colonialist sport so it's like not even like but they're better than the colonizers now well not quite well not this year but usually but typically they're better than england so it's like but it's also like that's the one sport that india's good at so and like I think that, that, like, a lot of that comes from, like, whatever, history of oppression and, like, whatever right. they were, you know, playing with the British. And actually, tennis is a big thing in India, too. But, um... it And it, nothing's going to change until people who are, like, in his position right. of power and level of play are going to say something about it, right? Because so, he truly could have been wearing freedom. anything. Like, any brand anything, would kill any brand. He's the best I mean, player and, like, of he, all time. He had Nike. He, he did had have Nike. Nike for a really long time, right? Yeah. So, good for him. You rule, Fed. We love love you. You you don't love us. We (laughs) love you. But you don't know it yet, but you do love us. Because we're your number one fans. Lit. Lit. We're we're your number one fans. Um, So, anyway, that was sad. And the reason why this is tangentially relevant is because one time we mentioned him when we were talking about how Nick Jonas was, like, GQ's best dress of the year, which is offensive because Fed was once their best dress of the year. And he is, like, yes. That million of leagues. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it is a lingering thought still. So that will not be a lie. We talk <laughs> next week, next episode. Um, okay, cool. So uh, our next lingering thought is a little bit more related to this <laughs> podcast, but um, equally important. But. <laughs> It is about uh, Mindy Kaling, and we were talking about last week how uh, she is working on a lot of different projects, and she's got a lot of cool things coming up, Um, one of which is a story that's, like, semi-autobiographical. Is it a movie or a series? Oh, actually, I think that is a lie that we told. It's a TV series. It's not a movie. 
It's a TV series? Yeah. Oh, okay. We said it was a movie last week. So there's the lie we told. <laughs> um, but she she had put out a casting call on her social media platforms and truly cast, like, one of the people who applied for it, right? Um, I think she said that they got 15,000 um, applications and the actress who was selected, Maitri Ramakrishnan, was the winner. So she is this going to be the star in this new semi-autobiographical comedy of age Netflix comedy series. Comedy of age. <laughs> yeah, I think they mean coming of it. Good for her. Yeah. Awesome for her. She's, I think, a true... She's from Toronto. Now we have Toronto Connect, so maybe we can get her on our pod. But she's... Yeah. Um, it seems like she's just, like, a high school theater kid who has did not have representation before she won this contest, or I guess was selected by Mindy. Um, so she's really bringing this, like, promising actress up from absolutely nothing, which is so cool. And I think she so also cool. cast... Um, Purna Jagannathan, who I just saw in Big Little Lies the other day. I'd never seen her before, but one of my favorite podcasters was talking about how she is very good on The Night Of as well. I don't know. If, have you seen that, Rabs? No, but I want to see it. That's like Briz- Briz yeah. show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I've heard it's really, really good. Um, yeah. But yeah, so apparently she's like really, really good. She was great on Big Little Lies, and she's, I think, going to be playing the mom on this show of... Um, oh. the other character. So, I don't know. TBD. I mean, I feel like the theme with Mindy Kaling in our podcast is that mm. she is our most dedicated, loyal listener. Because <laughs> she literally acts on whatever we talk about. <laughs> it's very true. We're like, Mindy, cast more brown people. And this week, the headlines concerning Mindy Kaling have all been about her casting brown people. Here's the thing. So, Do you think that her love interest, this the autobiographical character's love interest is going to be white. What are the betting would, odds on that? I would bet, like, $10 million that he will be white. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a fair. It's a fair bet. Yeah. I mean, really cool that she casts these brown women. We will cross our fingers and see what the men look like. Yeah, exactly. Although the main guy in her Four Weddings and a <gasps> Funeral You're series right. is is a brown guy. You're right. So, wow, I take that yeah. back. She's learning and growing in every which way. She is. She really is. I can't she wait really to see is. that. Also, I love Natalie Emanuel. That's going to be so good. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it's going to be good. I'm really excited for it. Wait, I think it comes out next week. Oh my god, we have to watch it. Should we do an episode? Yeah, we <laughs> yeah let's do it. Okay, we'll be back. <laughs> um. Okay, and then the okay. last thing. Oh yes, last thing. Um, it's actually, this is kind of related to Mindy Kaling. All of our lingering thoughts just kind of <laughs> go together so seamlessly. But, um, so this is just more of a shout out than a lingering thought. But it is a technically a lingering thought because we did bring this up when we were talking about Mindy Kaling a few episodes ago. Um, Mindy Kaling has this new, or not new, it's been going on for a while, uh, social media series where she highlights like a brown person in the media who's either like up and coming or has been doing some really cool awesome things or is already like pretty established and she just kind of features them on her social media page for uh for a day but um she had posted about 
this uh, cookbook author and chef Priya Krishna and her new book called Indian Nish, which is a cookbook about it's like all the recipes. I, I read it over the weekend. Do you have it? It's re- yeah, my sister has it. And so it's recipes from um, like recipes that you probably ate growing up, but she makes it very like understandable for truly I felt like she was writing it for a person like me, like an Indian American person who grew up eating a lot of Indian food, but like genuinely has zero idea how to make (laughs) anything. Um, And I crave like my mom and dad's food all the time. And like, how am I going to ever achieve that? But this book makes it like very feasible. And like, she shows you like cool things you can do to like add twists that make it like a little bit like westernized. Mm. And um, so it's fun. And we made this recipe of hers called Thai Toast, which is basically like a grilled cheese, but like you put like yogurt with like onions and like everything and you put like a thudka on top so it's like super like crispy and like oh it was so delicious it has like green chilies in it so Priya you're the best oh my gosh uh, we would love to have you as a guest on our show <laughs> but um in the meantime like we're cheering for you and we think you're awesome oh my gosh she's just really cool she's super cool on to hashtag Nick Yonka watch 2k19 Nick Yonka watch 2k19 so <laughs> They haven't really done much, and I feel like this portion is going to focus more on the characters that are involved in their lives rather than <laughs> them. But they made pasta. That's an update. Yeah, I know. It was so annoying. Uh, I'm Maybe I, I think I'm, like, a little biased at this point, but I found it very annoying. They were, like... It was fake AF. Yeah. Like, who staged. makes... I don't know. It was staged. Like, the whole process was, like, filmed and recorded in, like, cutesy boomerangs, like, staged I, AF. I was saying this to someone, maybe my brother, but I was like, I just don't think Priyanka's that convincing as playing herself. You know? Like, I just don't think yeah, she's, like, convincing yes. at, like, playing Priyanka Chopra. Yeah. <laughs> so, You're like, so right. maybe this it's is all fake. genuine, but, like, she's just really bad at being herself, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know what I'm trying to say, but I always feel like she's that just fake acting. Really- <laughs> so, anyway, they did that. They also worked out, and he called her P. So, that's apparently her nickname. <laughs> cool. You heard it here <laughs> first, guys. Um, anyway, on to more interesting things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So we just want to pit them against each other <laughs> but, and compare and contrast. But Sophie Turner, a.k.a. Priyanka's sister-in-law, has only thus far, it's been like two weeks since her yeah. wedding, right? Maybe three. Only posted one picture from her wedding. Yeah. And I feel like she must have had like a strict like no phones policy or something because like there are no photos from it at all. They're just drone photos from like creepy paparazzi. Creepy paparazzi, yeah. And we thought, oh, when we were last recorded an episode, we thought, oh, like they'll probably sell them to people or something, which like maybe they did, but they'd be out by now. Main, then. Yeah, they'd be out by now. So very, very, very sharp contrast. Mm hmm. Also, she's in the Maldives, and her honeymoon looks very beautiful. Yeah. There's a water slide coming out of their hotel room into the ocean. Wow. That's amazing. (laughs) I know. Ugh, goals. Venmo us. We're saving up. Yeah. (laughs) So we can go to the Maldives. 
Charis, that would be so fun. Yeah, we could record an episode live from the Maldives. How fun would that be for you guys if we were there? <laughs> Especially for you. <laughs> Think about it. <laughs> All right. Uh, hilarious. Okay. Next thing, big event, the main thing. <laughs> Moving on to our actual friends having actual <laughs> thoughts. But we actually got some really great emails, but we got one recently um, from someone who's a new friend and that they were not a friend before, but they are for sure a friend now um, yeah. with some really awesome thoughts. So we got this, so we're going to call call her Ari, and we're... We responded to this email, but we haven't gotten our sons back yet at the time of recording, so we're not sure if um, she, her, are the preferred pronouns in this situation, so apologies if they are not. Um, We will definitely uh, make a correction next episode if we need to, Um, but we're going to use the she, her pronouns uh, for, for the duration of this conversation. So, yes, this email was amazing. It was so great. Codename for this loyal listener is ARA. She had some very interesting points, specifically in regards to our Game of Thrones episode, um, which, if you haven't listened to it, it is currently our most played episode. So, in regards to that episode, where we talked about uh, a lot of the like fantasy space, not casting or writing characters that are people of color or are not cisgender. Uh, individuals, ARA brought up some really great points. And the first thing that she brought up was about race baiting. And what she specifically said about race baiting was that content creators, specifically like JK Rowling, they only cast or write characters that, you know, are from non-white cisgender places for the sake of saying they did. And that is essentially the equivalent of race baiting, of like including these characters just for the sake of saying you did and then getting later on lauded for being this super progressive, diverse, like supporting, ind- diversity supporting individual who is like a pioneer for equality and progress. And it's at the expense of never actually representing the characters that they are writing. So what ARA said is that it feels so manipulative because creators like these, like J.K. Rowling, try to garner the support of diverse groups without allowing these characters to be at the forefront of these stories or be fully developed so as to not alienate white, straight, heteronormative, cisgender audience. They use minorities as an accessory, expect to be applauded and seen as an ally and profit from it. It really makes me ill with how upset, with how messed up it is, and in my opinion, is worse than no representation at all. Yes, totally. That's exact. That's exactly the point. I think speaking of Harry Potter in our in our fantasy Game of Thrones episode, um, like what is Cho Chang beyond her name? What is even remotely Asian about her? What is um, remotely Indian about Parvati and Padma? Though I will say that. And we, we can talk about this a little bit. I think I am more mm-hmm. upset about the movies in this regard than I am about the books yes. because the movies yeah. throw these characters into like like Cho versus like random, like vaguely Asian looking outfit. And the Patel twins are in these like uggo saris, which we've talked about being like just the ugliest saris you could have ugliest. picked. Yeah. And there's like yeah. nothing ever talked. It's just like, oh, like token let's like throw like what I would never wear a sari to like a school dance first of all that's like 
first of all, yeah, it's not representative. And then even if you did make it cute, yeah, (laughs) it's like, but like then even if you did, like there's a story there. There's like a reason you're doing it there, and like to not explore that is just such a it's lazy, such a letdown. That is race baiting. That is like, oh look, let's emphasize they're Indian. I think I'm like of two minds of like the actual canon not going deeper into it. I think like it would be a different story. Probably, maybe a better story if there was, like, actually exploration of, like, like, Dean Thomas in the movies is black. Like, what, and what does that mean, like, to be the only black wizard in Hogwarts? In all of our... (laughs) I think sometimes, like, you don't want every time there's, like, an Asian character, we have to explore how strict their parents were. You know, like, I'm having trouble help I guess like like what I, I don't know how right. I should think about it is it like a step forward or would it be better if it was just like an all white like is it is it right to sell more books no no yeah exactly I know what you mean um and I think that the I don't know we were t- we talked about it also and like in terms of like does any representation does it like push the like ticker of progress like just a tiny bit forward right. even and like maybe it does you know maybe it does and like as horrible as some of these things are, like, they are adding to the conversation. Here we are, we're talking about it now, and we can only hope that things get better from here, right? So, yeah, um, I think it's, I think it's still a really, really good point. It, um, then ARA also brought up a really good point about queer baiting, and it's kind of the same thing. Like, JK Rowling does this too. She, writes these books and then like after the fact reveals that Dumbledore is gay and then writes this like story in Fantastic Beasts of Dumbledore and Grindelwald having a thing but And then like does this whole like their very intense sex life in a tweet. Just like we didn't ask about that. Why nobody asked about that and then you're just adding facts in, which I feel like just on the principle of things like people have problems with. But it's queer baiting again because she just drops it in and is like, boom, look at me, I'm this progressive woman, yeah. right? And um, and specifically what ARA said about that is she said that I'm so tired of white and hetero people thinking subtext or accessorizing content with minorities is good enough and I refuse to stand for it. We support you. We totally agree. Yeah. yeah. In a lot of ways it ties into tokenism too, which Kay Ray talked a lot about when we when we spoke with her. But how, okay, it's 2019, we need to have a queer character, we need to have a POC, but also our entire writing room is white. So let's just, like, make this one character black and gay, and then, like, we can check all of our boxes. And all of our boxes are checked off, yeah. And I, we were talking about this in the context of Tall the Boys I Loved Before, which has no brown people in it at all, so (laughs) doesn't count for this podcast, but it's, like, that's a disturbing trend as well where it's like okay if it's not going to be subtext it's going to be all in one where you don't actually explore what it would mean to be like a person of color and also have to like explore your sexuality or whatever if it's based in high school and so that's also not okay you like it's no and it feel it feeds into stereotypes so it's not cute we don't like it yeah um yeah not good and um (laughs) air i made a really good point that like yeah fantasy is a really open um space for uh representation in racial representation and also queer representation um because it's a made-up world there are no rules it was a good name so our next thought from a friend well this is kind of like a lingering thought plus thought from our friend because it's about um 
Aziz Ansari and how he has made a massive comeback or like comeback isn't even the word because he never really went anywhere (laughs) he just still has his career and he's this new special on Netflix called Right Now and it's basically a performance of his live Mm stand-up routine from this past year that he has been like on tour for and slash like testing out jokes at places like Comedy Cellar on the same night that I think Louis C.K. or like maybe one day or something before just really shady yeah Tars and I uh, definitely had some thoughts about this, but we also had some friends who had thoughts about it because they actually watched it, and disclaimer is that we have not watched it at all. Nope. Um, so we're relying on Ange to give us the perspective of someone who has actually seen it. Um, yeah. And so Ange is a loyal listener, and she – we'll start by giving her perspective because she said that she went into the watching experience sort of feeling, like, very much in the same camp as us, like, ugh, like, he's the worst. Um, but she watched it, and she said um, that it was actually really good. And she says, quote, he didn't really talk much about the whole incident, but when he did, he was really introspective, and I thought that was probably the best, most honest way to do it. And she says, like, I went in with a completely ugly sex mentality, but within the first five minutes, I was like, well, I actually own up to it without sounding bitter, especially given the nuances of the situation. Um, and she says the rest of his comedy is really funny. And when I was sort of like, well, I'm boycotting him because he sucks. And she was like, well, you know, like, of all the people that you could be boycotting, like, there's a lot of creeps out there. And I was like, that's true. But because he's brown I hold him to a higher standard and he was representation and um really like a pillar of our very small brown browns in positions of prominence so like to see him fall was very personally painful and I don't want to support his comeback and have him be one of five people who's like representing my community like that's he he's canceled in my mind and she brought up another really good point where she's like isn't that the model minority issue holding someone to a much higher standard like, and this is when she brought up the women's soccer thing where she was like, like, women are held to this higher standard, but, like, men can be really, really dramatic. So, all really good points. She's actually seen it, so, you know. Yeah. So, I think a lot of the reviews have been, like, it's really introspective. He's, like, it's really great that he's addressing this issue and, like, um, you know, uh, learning from it, supposedly. So, that's what the reviews primarily say. Um, but I think we're yeah. going to come at it from an emotional perspective of, like, what – him having a comeback means to us as members of the brown community again having not seen this special and also as women of as like brown yeah women. as brown women yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. um and i think my stance on it of why i don't feel like watching it is because it's not about what he has to say and i think that i think a lot of what i've read from like the excerpts of his content is about how he was in this position where he had to choose to reassess how he treated women and like a lot of the friends around him were forced to also reassess like how they treat women especially when they're on dates with women and um he kind of portrays himself as like wow like this is like an amazing thing that I like did for these people like I forced them to think about like something that they had like been doing their whole lives and it's like eh like I don't think you deserve a pat on your back and I feel like by letting him have this special on Netflix it's like very much giving him a pat on the back for like overcoming probably what was one of the hardest years of his life but like it was one of the hardest years of his life with due reason it wasn't an unfair thing that happened to him um he never takes ownership for 
any of what happened. He never has officially apologized either for what's happened. He has said that he feels sorry that someone else felt that way and that he made someone feel terrible, but he never said that he was sorry for his actions and that he's chalked it up to a misunderstanding instead. And that, to me, feels like we're just enabling him by letting him have this free open space on Netflix where he can continue to commend himself for surviving the year and like coming out on top and even in it he talks about how he was on the brink of like losing everything and like he imagined that like this was the equivalent of like him being dead and oh my god that's just not factually true like you still have a career like you still on tour that's selling out mind you in multiple cities like with multiple tour with multiple shows in multiple cities and uh you're doing fine. Like, he has a girlfriend. He talks about this now. And he's living life. And I think he truly is going to overcome that one hurdle that was thrown at him. Or that he created himself. No, was honestly. not thrown. Yeah, that was his yeah. own doing. And, like, it's if not, you go back and read this interview, it, like, there's – you can't come out of it thinking that that he no, is like, a good person. Yeah, they're – they're obvious, very like obvious, clear cut lines that were like, uh, this was an, this was assault. Like, I'm sorry. There's, it's not, there's no gray area there. Yeah. It's just not fair. It's not fair. The world is not fair. It feels, but, it feels again. Yeah. Like, um, I, I really hate that he, like you said, that he's turned it into like, I'm so glad I could like educate my fellow man on like, you know, like proper dating etiquette. That's not what this is. And that's really not. That's not like the hardships. This is not a hardship that you've undergone. It's not about you. That's like, I think that's the biggest takeaway of me, of the Me Too movement. It's like the one of the tenants is about women being able to talk about whatever the hell they want to talk about. And it's about them. It's not about you. Like totally missed the point. And he continues to suck in my opinion. Yeah. Okay, hard to transition from that. Um, but one of our loyal listeners, listener Anj, had a really insightful thought about what we often call fobs. Um, people who are quote-unquote fresh off the boat, so they're coming from South Asia. They grew up there and then have since um, moved to the U.S. And um, she really insightfully mentions that there's still an open stigma against these people. There's like a distancing of South Asian Americans who kind of are still adhering to this colonialist mentality of West is best and I'm not from there I'm like um assimilated or whatever um and at the same time these are often people who are like politically correct and conscious of other people's emotions and a lot of the other ways that they interact with the world um and so it kind of feels like one of those forms of racism that is still weirdly accepted and she just wanted to call it out and say that's ridiculous this is your like ancestral land like to be able to still be openly derisive of people who are not quote-unquote assimilated are not from the United States but are from other countries is just racist and it needs to stop um she also wanted to, us to call out Hassan Minaj. So, yes, Hunj, he's great. Totally. Like, that's a great, great point. Uh, agree with that across the board. Um, Hassan Minaj is the best. <laughs> um, so, well, I think that's our episode. Yeah. So this was very uh, all over the place, but our friends have such amazing thoughts. We had to include all of them. Um And we wanted to give you a fun parting gift before we go on a temporary hiatus. And thank you for an awesome season one of the Brown Burndown.
yeah thanks guys thanks for listening um until next time we're on stream <laughs> until next time if you want to be included in our next